Hello and welcome to episode two of Hauntedly. Today we're visiting Colonial Williamsburg and learning about some of the many spirits that wander its cobbled streets. I've actually decided to break this into two episodes because there were just too many stories to choose from. Um, it makes sense when you think about it. It's Colonial Williamsburg. There's a lot of historic buildings, a lot of which are original, some of which have been rebuilt, but a lot of them were rebuilt with portions of the original building or foundations involved. So there's a lot of there's a lot of history to go through. Colonial Williamsburg is a place where you can really get a sense of the history around you. Like Jamestown, I happen to think early in the morning or late in the evening is the best time to get a sense of what it might have been like. There's less people, less cars, and generally less movement. So it's a little bit easier to sort of soak up the atmosphere. That being said, if you go during the winter and you don't mind wearing a coat and being a little bit chilly sometimes, because it's less popular, you can easily visit at like 1.30 in the afternoon and see very few people, especially on a weekday. And the farther you get away from Merchant Square, the less people there are generally. Now in the summertime, that's not always the case. In the summertime, I really think like, you know, in the evening or really early in the morning there's not a lot of people around it's the joggers and the walkers and the you know locals who are coming out for exercise because i frequently do that down there and it's just it's a nice time to go and you can kind of get a little bit more of the ambiance because there's less tourists and it's just easier to to see what it might have been like and i mean let's be honest if you need a bigger reason to go you can always go and go down to merchant square because there's the cheese shop it's got a wine store in the basement and a chocolate well candy shop Blythe candy shop next door so it's got wine cheese bread chocolate and ghosts why would you not go visit before we get to the actual stories i want to give you a quick introduction to colonial williamsburg and the history involved because i think sometimes it's good to know some of that kind of information originally Williamsburg was known as Middle Plantation, and it was where William and Mary, the college, was, was located. It wasn't until the Jamestown State House burned in 1692 that they decided to move the capital to what was then renamed Williamsburg. It was one of the first planned cities. Each street was laid out in a grid with Duke of Gloucester Street being the focal point, which is why when you go downtown right now, everything is in squares. Like, everything is in straight lines and squares. It was the capital from 1699 to 1780. After that, they moved it to Richmond. With the capital moved, Williamsburg floundered a little bit. The businesses floundered because their business had dried up. If it's not the capital, you don't have as many people coming into the city. And the city fell into decline. During the Civil War, it was captured by McClellan in 1862. It was occupied for the duration of the Civil War. A few of the college buildings were burned or ran and or ransacked, as well as a few private homes, but mostly it was able to escape serious damage. Between that and the neglect of the previous years and its decline, it still retained most, well, many of its original buildings and feel. So you would think, you know, the decline is, is bad for the economy, but it kind of saved Williamsburg from being erased because things were kind of just let go rather than tearing them down and building something new. They didn't have a reason to because businesses weren't doing very well. In the 20s and 30s, the Rockefeller Foundation came in and decided to restore Colonial Williamsburg. 
and they began buying properties and forming the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, which is who runs Colonial Williamsburg now. In the end, they were able to restore 80 of the original buildings. They rebuilt 250 others. Currently, Colonial Williamsburg occupies 301 acres of land, which when you're here visiting, you don't, like it's big, but you don't really realize how much land it actually encompasses. You would think that they'd have found everything that they were going to find already. I mean, the 20s to now is a very long time. But truth be told, there's there's so many things that they don't know and there are things they're still researching. It's an ongoing process. Um, they recently finished building the coffee. I'm going to get this wrong. It's a coffee or a tea shop that they... It wasn't there when I was visiting Williamsburg as a kid, but they found evidence that that's where it belongs, so they rebuilt it. They just recently changed Raleigh Tavern and put a porch on it because they discovered that it would have had a porch originally, so they've changed it to match what they now know versus what they knew then. There's also, um, if you come visit right now, there's an active dig going on, and it's not like maybe a block from Merchant Square. It's not very far at all. It's on the site of the Baptist Meeting House, which is one of the first African-American congregations in the country. You can walk right over. It's right next to the sidewalk. I mean, they're an arm's length away from you and watch the archaeologists work, which is pretty cool. Especially at that site, they've actually found, I think it's now up to 25 graves that they didn't realize were still there. So, I mean, there's stuff there all the time. I mean, before they came in and did this archaeology stuff, it was an empty piece of land next to a parking lot. And it's ju- it was just there. Like, I had no idea that that actually had something on it. Now we know. So, there's still a lot of stuff to be found in Colonial Williamsburg. With history like that, there are also a lot of stories to accompany everything that goes on. So let's go ahead and visit some of the haunts of Colonial Williamsburg. First, we're going to the Peyton Randolph House. The house sits back from the main part of Duke of Gloucester Street. And if you're only interested in walking down Duke of Gloucester Street straight through the middle of Colonial Williamsburg, I suppose you could miss it. But if you take a second to really look, it's hard to ignore. It's large, it's painted a dark brick red color, and maybe it's the color that makes it seem like it's crouching there, watching. But whatever the reason, the house is one of the few that I think does feel like it's looking back when you stop and give it your attention. It's also considered one of the most haunted places in the country. It was built in 1715, and since that time it has had no less than 30 deaths occur inside. Randolph was the president of the First and Second Continental Congress, and when he died in Philadelphia, he was sent back pickled in a barrel to be interred in Williamsburg. His cousin was Thomas Jefferson, who would have visited the house. The house was also the French headquarters during the Revolutionary War, as well as a hospital during the same time period. So the history involved is extensive. When smallpox hit in 1748, Four of the occupants died and many others were sick. And surely during its stint as a hospital during the Revolutionary War, there were other deaths. A young boy is said to have fallen from a tree and died, while a young girl fell from a second-story window. A Civil War soldier was attending William and Mary, 
and caught tuberculosis. And while he was cared for as well as he could be, he also died in the house. Two men had an argument and shot each other in their rage. There's even speculation that when the tunnel for Colonial Parkway was built, some of the land from the house was used as, and an Indian burial ground was disturbed. There were at least two children's deaths. One was in an accident, others fell ill, and there were several suicides. But the ghost stories told here are not all recent. In 1824, Marquis de Lafayette, who you may recognize from the Revolutionary War, returned to Williamsburg on a tour through the country. He stayed in the Peyton Randolph house and is quoted as saying, I considered myself fortunate to lodge in the home of a great man, Peyton Randolph. Upon my arrival, as I entered through the foyer, I felt a hand on my shoulder. It nudged me as if intending to keep me from entering. I quickly turned, but found no one there. The nights were not restful as the sounds of voices kept me awake for most of my stay. Many visitors in the past and present have reported being shaken awake at night, being touched, or having limbs pulled or nudged. Some have even claimed that hands have tried to push them down the stairs. Mysterious disembodied voices are often heard throughout the grounds. More than one ghostly lady has been seen around the house. One remains near an upstairs window and has been seen by visitors from the outside. One, thought to be a servant, seems to stay to the lower floors. In some cases, an older woman, sometimes with a large black cat, is seen. This is believed to be Mrs. Peachy, who seems to love children and often is seen when school groups stop by. Some visitors have even reported just walking past that there have been more medical issues or feeling uncomfortable in the area around the Peyton Randolph house. The most unusual stories involve the security guards. In one case, a fire alarm was triggered, and when security went to check out the issue, they could find no fire and no unlocked doors or windows. Upon entering the section of the house where the alarm came from, they found a fire extinguisher in the middle of the floor, emptied, and surrounded by foam. There was no indication of how anyone could have done it without leaving a trace. There was no residue of any foam beneath the extinguisher or on the bottom of the fire extinguisher itself. It also remained only in that room instead of seeping beneath the door leading to another part of the house. It appeared to have been contained by an invisible barrier. Another time, a security guard was doing his rounds going through each part of the house. When he got to the basement, he went down, shone his flashlight around, and from behind him, he heard an unearthly growl and felt something grab him, immobilizing him. He couldn't call for help, and so he had to wait until someone realized they hadn't heard from him for a while and his co-workers came to check on him. Once they came into the basement, he was released from his unseen bonds and left in a hurry. He did not stay long as a security guard after that. A few months later, he quit and took another job. Maybe it was better pay, or maybe it was also a way to avoid any more ghostly altercations. And last, there may have been a curse placed on the house by Eve, who was kept as a slave by John Randolph's widow, Betty Randolph. Betty was not known for treating her slaves well, and in fact treated them quite poorly. 
and Eve did not escape her wrath. Betty died, but set things up for Eve to be sold as a part of the property, breaking up Eve's family in the process. It is said that when Eve found out, she called down a curse on the house and all who lived there in retribution. Perhaps Eve's curse is the reason that so many deaths, illnesses, injuries, and suicides have occurred on the property. Perhaps it is the ghosts of Native Americans whose burials were disturbed. Either way, you may want to tread lightly as you pass by the Peyton Randolph house. So, um, I, I go to Colonial Williamsburg a lot. I usually take the two babies with me and we go and walk around. And I have to say, the Peyton Randolph house always does look kind of menacing. I always assumed it was just because, you know, it's painted kind of a rusty red bloodish color. Uh, but now I kind of wonder if it's because something is watching me from the windows and I'm going to start paying a little more attention when we go past the Peyton Randolph house. I'm not sure I want to visit on a tour, but I kind of do and I kind of don't. I hope I don't see anything though. I'm not going to lie. And I definitely don't want somebody to push me down the stairs. There's a lot of stuff. I didn't even include everything that could be included in the Peyton Randolph information. There's so many things, depending on where you're looking, there are different stories and different versions of story. Like there's a lot, a lot of stuff. This is, this is, I can see why it's now the most haunted place in the country because there is a lot going on. So if you visit or if you've ever been and you've experienced things, I would love to know um, because there's, there's a lot of stuff there. Next, we're going to the With House. The With House sits to the left of the governor's mansion. It's a large brick building with a small, well-kept garden behind it. The most popular story associated with the With House is that of Lady Anne Skipwith. There's several versions of her story, but the one I like best explains a very peculiar sound heard by visitors and staff. That of footsteps going up the stairs, but they're uneven, as if one shoe appears to be missing. Lady Anne Skipwith was attending a ball at the governor's mansion with her husband. She was wearing a beautiful gown and striking red shoes. But while she may have been dressed for a party, Lady Skipwith's evening did not turn out to be a happy one. As they danced and enjoyed the evening, Lady Skipwith discovered her husband was flirting with other women at the party. Worse, there were rumors that he was having an affair with her sister. After having an argument with her husband and unable to stay and continue as if her world hadn't been turned over, she fled from the ball and ran down the road to the With House, distraught at her husband's betrayal. As she fled, her foot slipped from one red-heeled shoe and she couldn't bring herself to stop and retrieve it. To this day, there are stories of ghostly footsteps going up the stairs with a strange uneven tread, that of one heeled shoe and one bare foot alternating. So the With House is, um, I kind of want to go. Like I've been past it many times. I've actually been in this one, I'm pretty sure. Um, sadly, I didn't hear anyone's shoes doing, you know, a clompy up the stairs. But now I kind of wish I had. Uh, so I kind of wonder if this is only at night and only uh, heard by the workers. Because that would be a very distinct noise to hear. 
I read somewhere that somebody thought it was a peg leg, and I was like, well, yeah, I can see where you would think that would be a peg leg, although I don't think there were any pirates in the with house, so. But an interesting story, and it would be really interesting to hear what that sounds like. And our last stop for today is going to be Raleigh Tavern. Raleigh Tavern is another place with a long history of hauntings. The original tavern hosted patriots and decision-making about the revolution, as well as merriment and the occasional bar fight. In 1856, a letter was written by a man who had been walking past the tavern after it had closed. He told his friend in this letter that he had heard sounds of merriment and laughter. It was late, and when he realized that it probably should have been closed, he went and glanced through a window. Instead of seeing a crowd of party-goers, he found it empty. Three years later, the tavern would burn to the ground. When the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation began restoring the area, they decided to rebuild the tavern on the foundations of the original building. Apparently, the ghostly visitors like this idea. There have been sightings of a man in colonial dress smoking a pipe at a corner table, as well as the sounds of laughter and a lively party. Some workers have even reported the smell of pipe smoke inside, despite it being a no-smoking area and no one being around. So the next time you're at Raleigh Tavern buying a ginger cake, keep your ears open and your nose sharp. You never know who's there visiting. First of all, if you ever go to Colonial Williamsburg, you have to go get ginger cakes from Raleigh Tavern. But frankly, uh, they're best if they're actually baking them in the ovens right there behind the tavern. I mean, they're good when they're prepackaged and all, but they're really the best if they come out of those ovens. So if they're baking them there, totally worth waiting and getting one out of their ovens. Aside from that, I have been to Raleigh Tavern, I cannot tell you how many times over the years, because we frequented the bakery a lot when we used to come on vacation as a kid. I never realized it was haunted, but then... Most of the stories about Raleigh Tavern are like people hear it after hours or it's a worker inside and Raleigh Tavern is not open for you to go in. But if you've ever experienced anything there, I would love to hear it because, uh, I mean, you're building the new building on top of the foundations of the old building. So I can see where it'd be like, all right, we got a new building to haunt, guys, let's go. I would love to know because they have just finished uh, the adding the porch to the building i'd love to know if like there's been a pickup in activity since they were doing more construction on it since oftentimes when you talk about ghosts if there's been some kind of construction they seem to crop up more when you're disturbing things so I, I, it would be interesting to know that's all i have for now we are going to come back Next week, I'm going to have our first listener-submitted story episode, and I think you'll really enjoy this one. It will be rather short because I'm new and I don't have that many listeners yet. So if you have a story to share, I would love to hear it. Please tell your friends, tell your family, anybody you think likes ghost stories to come and listen. Anybody you think has a ghost story, please feel free to send it in. If you don't want your name attached, I will happily tell everyone that it's anonymous. Um, you can change the names to suit your fancy if that would make you feel better. But please, please send them in. After the listener episode, we're going to return to Colonial Williamsburg for some of the other haunts in the Colonial City. And then we will go to Yorktown. And then I'm going to start on a whole lot of other things because my list of places to cover is really long. 
And if there is somewhere you think I should talk about, please tell me. I would love to add it to my list. So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope you will tell your friends and family about it and tell everyone that you found a new thing you like to listen to. I hope that you will subscribe, rate, and review Hauntedly on whatever platform you use. I am also on Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon, and you can find all the links to all the things on my website, which is hauntedlypodcast.com. If you have a story you want to share, you can visit the site or you can just email me at hauntedlypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for hanging out with me today and I hope you have a spooktastic day. And remember, if one door opens when another door closes, your house is probably haunted. See you later.